This season, we've heard directly from riders about their experiences riding the bus. Each story was unique, but their needs were all the same. 30-minute frequencies, more bus stops, and more interconnected routes reaching further. Now we're switching gears. For our final three episodes, we're focusing on the future of public transportation in Greenville County. We spoke with a couple of game changers at Greenlink to better understand the plans they have for the system in the coming years. And to see if any of those changes are going to address what many riders shared they needed. More buses going more places more often. This episode, we're chatting with James Keel, the director of Greenlink, about his vision for the future of transit within Greenville. We'll talk about how the Transit Development Plan, which we refer to as the TDP, will shape future expansion. James, I'm so glad you're able to come back on the podcast and talk to us a little bit more, give us some more details about the Transit Development Plan and how this is all going to work. Let's start with what's your ideal, like the ideal Greenlink system would look like if you had a magic wand and you just could get it all together. What does that look like? So I think, you know, if we look forward and we kind of look at the TDP, because, you know, we obviously had a lot of impact on the TDP and and, and taking a lot of experience and, and understanding what growth was going to look like. But I think there there's two ways to answer that question. One is you think about it from the transit side of, oh, well, you know, we want to be able to see 15 routes and we want to be able to see 30 minute frequencies and we want to be able to to see from the transit perspective, you know, really good service. But I think it's also important to look at it from the rider perspective and, and what does it mean for Greenville, right? So I think, you know, in terms of that definition of how we solve transit, people being able to easily get around without having to plan their trip. And what I really mean by that is, you know, you, you go to a lot of bigger cities and you don't need apps to find out when the bus is coming or when the train is coming because it, it runs at such a frequency that it doesn't require that kind of, of detail. And I mean, Greenville is an urban area and there's a lot of our service area that, that you know, gets out of the urban area. So in some levels, you're always going to have that in Greenville, even if you look down the road, probably 20 years. But, it, you know, in the urban areas, you would hope to be able to see transit improve to such a level that you, you don't need to have a lot of technology to use it. it. It's just intuitive and it makes sense and it's woven together and it, it just really just it works really well. And so I think, you know, how we get there is, you know, obviously we need to add more routes. But at the same time, we also need to make sure that as we're adding those routes and as Greenville is growing, that we continue to evaluate the changes that we make to make sure that things aren't changing outside of our environment that we see that would impact where our goal is in, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And so like adjusting that vision as things in the community adjust. Correct. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, the community does not grow around transit. We have to adapt our plans as the community grows. So it's important for us to you know, take a mirror to ourselves and make sure that, you know, we are doing what Greenville uh, will need to do um, in order to serve the community in the best way possible. Now, the TDP helps anticipate routes and capitalize on providing service along transit-dense corridors that were established when you had done early planning. The city of Greenville was able to, with some prodding, increase density throughout those corridors that were really transit-rich, so that were served with two or three routes or anticipated to be served once the TDP is fully implemented so that we can really have more density in those places where there will be more bus routes. So we need to build Greenville in a way that supports density. Not only does density reduce car-dependent sprawl, but it makes our taxpayer money stretch further when we build smart from the start. Correct. But, you know, it's kind of the struggle that we also have in that Greenville has a, a hub-and-spoke model, right? Meaning that right now every route we have is a 500 route comes into downtown, and then it comes out of downtown. So being able to create more of a spider web right, of where you will not always have to come into and out of downtown to get to your destination 
is going to be exceptionally important for that type of mobility that we're we're ultimately trying to get to. So, you know, I applaud the city of Greenville's efforts um, with zoning, trying to be able to use the tools they have, you know, in their toolbox to make it more impactful. But at that same time, we just also have to to keep in mind that a good transit system is more than good transit on the corridors. It's got to be on on really on all the the, the roads and, and on all the network that has enough housing to justify um, the need for transit. Yeah. And you're right. It's going to end up looking like a spider web. In a transit-oriented city, people would be able to step out of their house and instead of reaching for car keys, reach for a bus pass or just take their phone with them, right? Without planning for traffic or parking, they know they can use the bus system to get around those larger distances. That's what we're aiming for. So you told us about what your ideal is. So what Break that down for us. Like, what are the next five years for Greenlink? Walk us through what's currently happening and then kind of that expansion plan. The whole concept of what's next in Greenville, as far as transit is concerned, is in the hands of the political bodies that that we are are serving and the constituents in Greenville, right? Because if we want to have better transit, we have to have more funding. There's two scenarios. Well, I mean, I guess there's more than two, but there's there's really two. Like, we either continue with what we have now, which is no improvement. Right? What what you see right now, if there's no funding changes, is what we're going to have in in five years. But you know, if the political will is there to realize the value in transit and the value that it can bring to the economy and and to people here, you'll start seeing a, a lot of improvement. Right. So the first thing you'll see is is the buses will start coming every thirty minutes, which is huge for Greenville. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, right now, if you miss the bus, you wait an hour, right? Which for me who has a car and you who have a car, like we don't think about that. We just, oh, well, yeah, let's just go hop in the car and drive over there and right. But for people who don't have an, a choice, you know, it, it's a big difference because now they've saved, you know, a good amount of time in their day. So that's the first thing you see. And then really from there, you know, you're going to start seeing additional routes come online. And the first ones that you really are going to start seeing are those, what would be the first pieces of that web route, right? Of where, you would have the crosstown routes that show up where you wouldn't have to come downtown to get a crosstown. You could take a crosstown route to get there, which would, would be huge for people trying to get around. Five years might seem like a long time, but having those two kinds of changes would, would be a lot to happen in, in five years. Plus, you know, kick, looking at kicking the tires on, you know, commuter routes or park and ride routes and, and, and whatnot. And, and then really from there, it kind of becomes this concept of the Chinese menu that we've, we've talked about several times in that, somebody wants to prioritize some other level of service, we could do that. And then I think all of that, those things would be accompanied ideally with starting some sort of Sunday service, which, you know, right now it's the trolley and, and that that's about it. And that is a lot to get done in five years. I mean, I think you just mentioned like four things, but the amount of work that goes into those four things and doubling the fleet and hiring and training more staff, all that sort of stuff too. So tell us more about what's difficult for Greenlink. Securing local funding aside, since we know that's the main challenge, what else is difficult? Is it buying buses, transit planning, or finding drivers? You know, it's it's one finding federal funding if we need to to, to buy buses, but buying stuff's easy. Planning, I don't want to say it's easy because my planner is down the hallway and she might come down here and educate me. But you know, the hard part is finding people to drive the bus, hiring them, retaining them. That continues to be a a huge struggle. What do you think that is? I mean, this is where my professional opinion and my personal opinion uh, blend quite a bit. You know, I, I think that by and large, you know, there are a lot of service industry jobs in this country that that were devalued really over the past 20 years, right? And, and what's interesting is, is that we have 
created a situation now where people who work in trades, who work in service industries, make really good money because there's not enough people to do those jobs anymore. And because of that, the pool got a lot smaller. And because the pool got smaller, it's not like the number of jobs decreased, right? If you look you know, at CDL positions, I heard a stat a couple months ago that there were over 100,000 CDL positions right now open across the country. And that's not just, you know, bus drivers. That, that's long haul drivers. That's trash truck drivers. And if you start thinking about how that's going to impact people, you know, you're not going to be able to get stuff delivered. All those Amazon packages that you all like, like most of them come by truck, right? UPS, the real Santa Claus, UPS. Yeah, they're, they're having problems too. Then you get in an area that is like Greenville of where we have a massive vehicle manufacturer here that is moving so much freight that it, it's almost unfathomable that CDL drivers are, are hard to come by because, you know, why work for me whenever you can go work for somebody else and make a nickel more? Kind of paralleled to that, we've also been in a, a very unstable and unhealthy part of the economy. And I mean, it's impacted mechanics as well. I mean, we've had a really hard time finding mechanics. And again, it's it's all kind of related. So it ends up just being a constant search. Constant search. I mean, we've had vacancies now for almost four years for, for mechanic professionals, and it's not looking any better. So we'll have about three quarter of a million people here in 2040. So tell us why it's important that we invest in transit now. Why shouldn't we wait until 12 years to solve this problem? Why is it important to do it now? Well, you kind of have run into a real chicken and egg conversation. And I guess the more accurate way to put it is if if you build it, they will come. If you want people to use your transit system, you've got to have a good transit system. People are not going to come and use your system if it if it doesn't run effectively, efficiently, and quickly, right? And that's that's really what 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 we see here is that you know I'm the transit director, and I'm going to sit here and tell you like you know we've got a lot of work to do to improve its efficiency and its effectiveness, and and the way you do that is you have to put more service on the street, and ultimately that requires money, right? So why why do it now and not then? Because if we don't do it now, we'll probably get to a point of where it's too late because. Transit is more than just putting a bus on the road. It's infrastructure along the road. It's bus stops. It's shelters. It's sidewalks. You know, because anybody who uses the bus at some point is also walking. So they're a pedestrian. So making sure that that all of that infrastructure is in ahead of time, that that right of way is secured, and then you know you, you know you have to consider the possibilities of what bus rapid transit would look like, and how much right of way we would need for that, or what light rail would look like, which. We don't need it today, but in 50 years, I, I, I don't know what Greenville's going to look like. Nobody knows what Greenville's going to look like in 50 years. So if there's not some forethought and, and planning into, into what it's going to look like, then we won't have those things. And that, that, that's the, the important piece is that it's easy to go say, oh, we're going to increase frequency. That's fine. It's already uh, buses on those roads. But, you know, if we want to, you know, to be able to add transit service at some level one, like, is the road wide enough? And did we have those plans? So and it's, it's just there's a lot of, of levels of why it needs to be done now because of retrofitting a layer. Sure, it can be done. You know, well, who's going to pay for it? Well, the taxpayer. Right. So, you know, what you can get now at a discount in, in 10 years is gonna, not going to be as cheap as it is today, which, you know, nobody wants to hear that. But I've been around a while and I've, I've never seen things get cheaper. Now, it's funny, too. I was thinking about as I think about even that question, that quarter of a million people like they're not going to move here in one day. They're like not. We're slowly adding them every day and yep. we're going to have that number there. And then it's going to continue to grow after that. It's not like everyone's going to, OK, it's 2040. We're full. Everybody else stay away. Like at that point, it's just going to go up more. 
If we don't prepare for a county to handle that amount of people, if we don't see transit as a useful infrastructure tool, then we won't have it. So tell us how Greenlee compares to other similarly sized cities in funding and also size of the system. So let's pick on North Carolina for a few minutes, right? So if you look at North Carolina, um, a lot of their systems have been around for many decades, and it was originally property tax that that funded uh, most of the larger transit systems in, in North Carolina. Well, so if you think about where property tax comes from, it, it is from the a property owner, so a resident, right? So if you live in a certain county or city, you're paying taxes once a year, and, and that, that once a year payment is helping fund the transit system that you live, right? And by and large, you know, in, in those scenarios, you know, they have a good amount of local funding. You know, 50 to 70 percent local funding is what kind of what what you see there. Of their overall budget? Of their overall operating budget. And I'll use the word operating here because so much of the capital budgets are year to year and there's competitive grants that kick in. So it's hard to sit here and, and really have a true apples to apples comparison on a capital budget. But on an operating budget, it's really easy to. Versus, you know, if you, you come and you look at, at South Carolina... You know, there's only two transit systems in, in our state that have a penny sales tax. Richland County funds the Comet in Columbia, and then you've got Charleston um, that is funded by penny sales tax, and that, that is CARTA. And obviously the voters in, in those communities had to approve that, but a significant amount of capital and a significant amount of operating uh, money every year that come into that and how that, you know, both are really all three of those vary in, in, in relation to us is, one, we don't have a dedicated funding stream. So I am not guaranteed any money next year from any funding partner that we have. Aside from the FTA, we can pretty much, you know, count on that. So the way Columbia and Charleston uses their penny tax is it significantly increases the transit operating budget without necessarily being burdensome on an individual taxpayer. Burden is carried by an individual taxpayer, but it's an additional penny on every dollar of the taxable item's purchase price. So, say they spend $100 on groceries, $1 extra would go towards projects that need additional funding. And in their case, they use it for transit. All those pennies add up to make a big difference. It could lead to more routes, lower frequency, and better connectivity. That's the way Columbia and Charleston are doing it. In their case, it helps boost the economy as people are able to more easily get to work, school, and more. So how does that funding style differ from the way Greenlink's currently funded? Ours come from a city and the county. So every two years we have to go you know, ask the county, like, hey, we'd like to be able to, one, continue doing what we've been doing. We'd really appreciate it if you'd give us some order where we can improve the way we need to improve. And then, you know, we have to go to the city and say, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And, and that's the city of Greenville. So they're the only municipality right now that contributes to your budget. That is correct. And then there's uh, some state money that comes into it and not, you know. It's a very small percentage of money. I won't say like 5% of our operating budget comes from the state. It helps, right? But at the same time, it's not enough to add a route. It's a small, small piece of money in, in the grand scheme of things. And then, you know, you, you kind of look around the country at other options. And, you know, there are some that use um, rental car fees to, to pay for transit. They're using accommodations taxes, that percentage on your hotel room. Some are using hospitality taxes that's, uh, you know, on food and beverage. So there, there's options out there. Um, and there's, you know, we're not the only transit system, you know, in this situation. It does make things exceptionally difficult to plan and grow and try to figure out how to make it work. Just because it's never assured. It's never assured. I don't want to say that it's never consistent because at least while I've been here, it's always increased, which is great. But w- 
we can't rule that out. Yeah, it's just a hard. I mean, it's hard to give that to have that be one of the questions when you're sitting down at the planning table to figure out what to do next. And and the thing about it is, is that, you know, it, it's really easy for politicians and and some people around that table say, oh, you know, we'll just you know cut transit funding by twenty five percent. Okay, well, all right. So let, let's say that they cut our budget twenty five percent. So I'm going to have to go lay off drivers, right? Like, okay, well, that's only, you know, what? If we cut 25%, like, okay, we're going to have to cut, what, 10, 15 drivers? No problem. Yeah, let's talk about how many of our passengers are going to lose their jobs now. So how many people in Greenville County did you just put out of work? I don't necessarily think that they understand the ramifications that, that we we provide, like what the benefit is that we provide people that we keep employed, not necessarily by employing them, but allowing them the opportunity to, to become employed. So, I mean, it's it's such a, a much bigger, bigger conversation than, hey, you know, you don't have dedicated funding. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to go tell a passenger like, well, you know, I can't promise you next year that you're going to be able to get to work. Right? That's what it really means, right? It's not about me. It's not about any anybody that works in my office or works for me. I mean, we're, we're here to ultimately, hopefully make people's lives better and, and uh, you know, give them some sort of opportunity they would otherwise have. Well, when you talk about that, when you think talking about our elected officials to better understand the impact of transit um, in that greater sense. Are there opportunities for our listeners? Yeah, so there's there's a number of ways to get involved, right? So, uh, uh, you know, our public affairs manager does a number of transit orientations. If you're new to the area or you want to figure out how to use GreenLink, you know, we've got somebody who will sit down with you for an hour and talk to you about our service and, and how to get involved. You know, every year we do Citizens Transit Academy where, you know, you can come in as a six-week program to learn more about transit, figure out how we're funded and the challenges and opportunities that we have. Um, there's the Adopt-to-Stop program. We encourage them to reach out to their elected official and have that conversation. But, you know, in, in general, the question is, is, you know, how, how, do we, how do we get a bigger impact? Because what we hear from politicians is they use this, this word of, well, my constituents say, well, how, how do we access the constituency? What can we do to change the hearts and minds of people who, don't use transit, but see the benefit of it. How how can we how can we do that? And um, that's a that's a tough nugget. That's why I think you're here is to figure that out. Um, I just make buses go in circles. That's stand up my expertise. And that's a great lead in for the end of this episode. How do we get more people involved? Part of that's done by getting out and talking to people, transit advocates, talking with friends, family, neighbors, or even our local politicians, letting them know that transit matters and why it matters. Thank you so much, James, for sharing your vision for GreenLink. It is great to hear that your plans address what many of our riders ask for improvements on. And it's nice to peek behind the curtain. And I'm sure many of our listeners appreciate it, too. On next week's episode, we'll speak with Kaylee Gleek, the transit planner for GreenLink. She'll share more about the next steps GreenLink's taking to turn the vision James talked about today into reality. Have you been listening for a while and you want to help make transit better? So do we. Join our coalition and find out about the ways you can help build better transit visit our website and sign up for our monthly newsletter. To get started, go to greenvilleconnects.org. Let's get more buses going more places more often. Bus in the Greenville Transit Podcast is produced by Podcast Studio X.